Our New Testament reading comes from the book of Acts. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. I have said these things to you while I am still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I am coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father because the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it occurs so that when it does occur, you may believe. This is the gospel of the Lord. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Maddie, and I'm going to be an intern here this summer at Resurrection. And I must say, the ascension of Jesus is quite the passage to have to start off a summer internship with. Um, So thank you for your gracious listening ears. And I'm eager and expectant in sharing what I've been learning this week as I've sat with this passage. I find that God often speaks to me most often through stories. And so while I was reading and reflecting on the ascension of Jesus this week, I was also finishing a novel, which some of you might be familiar with, called Till We Have Faces by C.S. Lewis. And as I was reading the final chapter of the book, I found in the story that the main character, a woman named Oriwal, was helping me approach some of the questions arising in me as I read about Jesus' ascension. That question being this, why does Jesus leave? It's an honest, childlike question. Why does Jesus leave? Why do the clouds take him away? Where does Jesus go? Until we have faces, Oriol tells her story of heartbreak, rejection, and disappointment. She has a complaint that she wants to bring before the gods. And for a number of reasons, it's essentially that she feels she has been abandoned. She grew up the daughter of an abusive, absent father. 
She wasn't considered very beautiful. People didn't pay a lot of attention to her. And her younger sister, Psyche, who was her closest companion growing up, was taken away for reasons outside of Oriole's control. Oriole thinks that the gods have something to do with this. She's devastated, so she writes it all down in a book and prepares to present it to them, to the gods, as a complaint. So as I finish this final chapter, what I was hearing from Oriole were essentially these questions. Why don't the gods speak to me? Why don't the gods help me understand? Why don't the gods ever answer my questions? I wonder if any of these questions resonate with you, or if these questions are the types of questions you would ask if you chose to be truly honest with yourself and truly honest with God. We've felt devastation this week and perhaps even abandonment in these last few weeks for a number of reasons. Some of us have felt personal losses, perhaps a relationship not turning out the way you had hoped, perhaps learning of a new diagnosis or learning that someone was disappointed in you And we all, in different ways, are reeling from the news of recent shootings in Texas and New York. In light of these realities, are not the questions that arise from Jesus' ascension and Oriole's complaint a very human response? Why does Jesus have to leave? Why don't the gods speak to me? Why do the clouds take Jesus away? Why don't the gods ever answer my questions? I want us to notice three things from our passage today, from Jesus' ascension. First, our questions are honored. Second, our questions are often far too small. And finally, our questions find their home in Jesus Christ. So our questions are honored. I don't know about you, but on a first reading of Jesus' ascension, I found myself with more uncertainties rising up than answers. The passage reads, As they were watching, Jesus was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. I found myself feeling a little bit more uncomfortable than comforted. And I can't imagine the disciples didn't feel the same way, didn't feel a little uncomfortable a little uncertain. Jesus Christ was their closest friend, their beloved teacher. He was the person who had convinced them to leave their careers from before and take on a new identity, to take on a new mission and vision to go and love the world. Then Jesus, their closest friend, dies. He's killed. A stone is rolled over the tomb, sealing it in place. It's final. And then he rises from the dead and is miraculously raised back to life, talking with the disciples, being touched by them, eating with them. He's back. But now, as we just read, Jesus has to leave again. 
and it happens suddenly, and he has to go somewhere that the disciples can't even picture in their own minds. I want you to remember for a moment the things or people that you've lost in your life. You've grieved them, felt the unexplainable ache of their absence, and then imagine being able to receive those things back again and then have them taken away shortly after. So when they had come together, as the passage tells us, I wonder if the disciples were asking questions like, why is Christ leaving us again? Like the disciples, let's not hesitate to pause here, to wonder together what is happening. This moment is big and it can feel kind of scary, We don't know what's coming next. We don't understand why Jesus has to leave. We don't know how long he'll be gone and we don't want him to go. There's a lot to feel here. It feels like there's a lot to lose. So let me ask you this. How often does Jesus invite response in scripture? How often does Jesus pause to answer a question? Scripture recounts plenty of questions asked of Jesus. Where will you get this living water? How does one inherit eternal life? What does this parable mean? Jesus invites us to bring our questions, to bring our first reactions and our spur of the moment fears. The question the disciples ask is this. Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? It's a question packed with questions. What will be the timing of this, Lord? What does this all mean? What are you restoring? We hold these realities, shootings, a new diagnosis, racial injustice, the end of a relationship, Great disappointment. Lord, is this the time when something will at last change? What is your timing? What are you restoring? And the larger question might even be, God, are you trustworthy in the midst of this? Jesus, all-knowing, could dismiss us. But instead, he pauses to listen and honor our questions. The God of the universe honors your questions. But what becomes clear after these questions are asked is that Jesus sees a greater picture, a fuller story. So our questions are often far too small. Throughout high school and college, I was really zoned in on answering this question of what practical job am I going to do? What career am I supposed to pursue? And I found along the way that Jesus was really inviting me to ask a different question, a more expansive question of what kind of person do I want to be? We often limit ourselves with our questions, but God wants to expand our imagination The disciples ask, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? It's a question packed with assumptions. 
You see, many who followed Jesus believed that Jesus had come to rescue them from under Roman rule. Is this the time when you'll restore our home, our land, our people, our power? The disciples ask a question beyond the scope of their imagination, and Jesus seeks to expand it. Jesus responds with this. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Don't miss this. This is the whole driving force for the book of Acts. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus responds to the disciples' questions about timing and the restoration of their land by enlarging their imagination about God's timing and about who the people of God are. Jesus intends to restore the kingdom to the ends of the earth. And don't get me wrong, it's not that the disciples' questions and hopes for Israel were wrong or bad. It's just that their imagination for God's plan is a little too small. How often do we narrow our idea of what God can do and is doing? So the invitation is this. Ask and you shall receive, but what you shall receive is going to be a lot greater, far wilder, far more unexpected and unexplainable than you can imagine, than you can fathom in your beautiful, honest, best effort questions. It's not going to look like what we thought. Because by whose authority are we living? Jesus says it's not for you to know the times or periods which the Father has set by his own authority. Remember that this is not a human plan. This is God's plan, and we can take comfort in this, that God is on the move. That's what the book of Acts is all about. Jesus might not answer our questions in the way we want, but Jesus becomes a safe place for our questions to land. Which brings me to my final point. Our questions find their home in Jesus. So, Oriol writes her story down in a book and brings it as a complaint to the gods. Her complaint is this. Why don't you speak to me? Why don't you help me understand? Why don't you answer my questions? After she speaks to the gods, an unexplainable peace washes over her. She has told her story and suddenly realizes that the very act of voicing her complaints to the gods felt like an answer. How could the gods speak to her face to face until she knew her, herself who she was? Not only psychologists know this about grief, that to name a pain in our life is an act of healing, but also in the Christian practice of lament, when we cry out to God and bring our concerns and uncertainties before him, that's also an act of healing. It's a way of pressing into relationship with God despite the questions that we have. Oriol's final words are this. I know now, Lord, why you utter no answer. It's because you yourself are the answer. Before your face, questions die away. What other answer would suffice? Jesus, in our story today, is about to give the disciples an answer to their question. 
the truest, deepest, kindest answer they need. And it's that, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. This answer is not a timeline or a strategy or a well-planned out schedule for us to decode and make sure we get written down in our calendars accordingly. The answer is inside the disciples. The answer is given in a holy presence. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. We don't need to know when. We don't need to know what. We just need to know who. Jesus himself is the answer. Before his face, in his presence, questions die away. So dare to ask your questions of God. It might feel uncomfortable and vulnerable, but questions and faith can cohabitate, and God is trustworthy. So people of Galilee, people of resurrection, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? What is the longing that you're feeling burning in your chest? What are you reaching out for? The angels ask a question with a seemingly obvious answer. Why do you stand looking up towards heaven? Well, of course we stand looking up towards heaven. That's just where Jesus went. And he's the one that we want with us. He's the one we want to look towards. Yes, but then why do you stand looking up towards heaven? Do you not remember? The disciples have been told before, recorded in the book of John, when Jesus was still with them, Jesus said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. He abides with you and he will be in you and he will come to you and make his home in you. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I am coming to you. I have told you this before it occurs so that when it does occur, you may believe. Why do you stand looking up when the spirit is inside you all around you? I wanna leave you with a final word from Psyche, Oriol's sister. After Oriol has given her complaint to the gods, Psyche, her sister says, did I not tell you that a day was coming when you and I would meet in my house and no cloud between us? We have the fullness of God dwelling within us. And still none of us can pretend that that replaces physical, tangible presence. We live acutely aware that we are still sojourners, that we're still waiting for something as we live here on earth. Every day, it's clear. Broken hearts, broken plans, dreams deferred, grocery store shootings, racial injustices, mass school shootings. The Uvalde school shooting is the deadliest school shooting since Sandy Hook. I got a text from one of my closest friends this week who's an elementary school teacher back home. She said to me, I don't think it hit me until tonight. I had my last day of tutoring and I had these eight kids with me and I just can't imagine not sending them home. Lord, is this the time when you will restore? Lord, is this the time when something will change? 
What questions are you wrestling with? What feelings are you wrestling with? Do you feel sad, angry, afraid? As you sit with these questions and emotions, I want to remind you that what we have to hold on to is the promise of God that was given to the disciples in our passage today that they received in Acts, and it's also the promise we receive today. And it's this, I will be with you. Live in that hope that God is far nearer to you than you even know. And hear Psyche's words anew through the voice of Christ to us. Did I not tell you that a day was coming when you, when you and I would meet in my house and no cloud between us? Christ is now with us and in us and Christ is coming again. Look, he is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. I am the Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, let's pray. Lord God, may your word continue to make its home in us today as we leave this place and go about our Sunday rhythms. Thank you for the comfort of your presence. Thank you for being a trustworthy, constant companion in the midst of our questions and uncertainties. May we look to you enthroned in heaven, caring for us, caring for our world in ways we can't even imagine. Thank you again for your word, your words of comfort and love. We love you and we trust you in your name. Amen.